0: Hello everyone, and welcome to a very special week of the Great Escape Minute. This week we are actually having conversations with people who have direct connections with the actual escape and the people who actually were part of the real escape. So, this is the podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today for the first of these special episodes is Patty Flint. Someone who has a very interesting familial connection to one of the escapees. Welcome to the show, Patty. How you doing, Rob? You all right? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm really looking forward to our conversations because this is the, the first opportunity that I've had to actually talk about the real people, not just the, the actors and the, the different characters in the movie. We're going to actually talk today. Besides, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about the minute, the minute 166, but We're also going to be discussing some very, very interesting things that you have to tell us about some of the real escapees. One in particular, but I know you have a lot to to, to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. Episode 166 begins with Danny and Willie climbing up the ladder to the boat and ends with Sedgwick checking that he's crossed the border into Spain. So as we were discussing on Friday, we had the the beginning of of Danny and Willie in their little rowboat reaching a large ship and they, the ship uh, stated on it that it was from Sweden. They actually start climbing up the ladder to the boat. Now on Friday I discussed what was in the, the real original script there, they added a whole scene there with them actually talking to the, the, the people on the ship and how they helped them out in hiding them from, from a Nazi patrol boat that was around there but for some reason, probably for good reason, they cut that out. So we're not really going to talk about that. So basically we get the two of them climbing up the, the ladder and they push off the rowboat to let it go wherever it's going to go. And they begin climbing up the ladder. And that, that's pretty much all we see of them. If I remember correctly, I don't think we even see them again in the movie. Very possible this is the final time.
1: Yeah, I find, I find it really strange that uh, they would, you know, really neatly organize the oars back on the, back on the little rowboat and then kick it away you know you're just
0: thinking just leave it it's well they're, they're, it's going to end up going somewhere so you might as well just leave it to do what they need to do maybe they wanted to keep it for somebody else to to be able to to steal it you know so if, if the words <laughs> yeah. were to fall out then they'd have a little bit of problem there you know Absolutely. for whoever else got it they i guess they were grateful for the fact that someone left the oars in the first place so you know if they're going to yeah. give it to somebody else you might as well make sure they get their they get the oars there too
1: yeah i think they're a braver man than i trying to get up that ladder as well i would have uh I, I haven't got such good sea legs, I don't think. I'll maybe not be able to do as good as they did.
0: Well, they, they, they are actors, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is it. Charles <laughs> Bronson and John Layton, you know. Uh, they, they have that quick scene where they just, you know, shoot them going from the boat onto the ladder, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they do do it quite effectively. Now, one of the things that I liked, one of the things that I liked was is you see that, that Charles Bronson's character, Danny, gets closer to the ladder, He holds on to the ladder and then lets Willie go before him, which, again, we've discussed this so many times over the course of of the last 165 episodes about how great of a connection the two of these guys had, that their friendship was bonded throughout the course of the time that I guess they were in captivity together. And we get to see here another small example of that, you know, that they both know they're trying to go for freedom, but one of them will stop and actually help the other. Before moving on, yeah, along.
1: yeah, very much
0: so. So I, I, I like that little touch, the uh, to, the little
1: give us the little pieces of help and the the little sort of go betweens between them, especially during earlier on during the escape scenes, when they're going through the mm-hmm. tunnel, of, you know, you know what what Danny's problem was down there, and yeah, it was, claustrophobia. Yeah, it was it was this amazing um, camaraderie between the pair of them, and I suppose that that sums up a lot of the way the military works as well.
0: So. Yeah. Even though I mean, we never we never find out if they flew together or anything. We just know that that they were captured at some point and you know ended up in some sort of camp together and became the two tunnel kings. They did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know who these these the two of them are based on, right? Or not? Well,
1: well, the actual escape to Sweden was uh, Jens Muller and Per Bergslund, who were two of the three home runners. Um. So they the the story behind how they got away. They travelled for quite a long distance. They were heading for a port of Stettin um, and they were given an address. Roger Bushell gave them a, a contact for a, a building in Stettin where they could go and find someone to help them out. They knocked on the door and it was full of sailors and things like that and they thought to themselves, well, this would be okay. Um, they didn't have much money and it
0: turns out they were in a, a house of ill repute. So <laughs> they found a brothel yeah right? they had. I, I think they needed i think at that point they needed money <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: and uh, and at one point one of the uh one of the ladies the ladies of negotiable affection came up and said, uh you know what do you want what do you, you know should we go upstairs And he said, "I haven't got any money so the girl said well i'll I'll take your suitcase, and he had this suitcase with him for his full of all his stuff for escaping and his clothes and everything else he had. He said, I really can't, I really can't let that go, you know. Um, and I, I think the the scene where the Germans came in and searched them would have been so much more accurate because at one point they were searched as they were leaving. Uh a German boat came alongside, checked them out, and they heard they were they were hidden in a, a small cargo hold uh way down in the, the, the hull of the ship. And um at one point, one of them was poked in the eye by a searcher who ended up saying, Nix, you know, nothing, can't, can't find anything, and then left. That's how close they were to getting captured. Wow. So uh, it was an incredible story, and and how they managed to get away was just, just crazy. Man. Wow,
0: okay. And so that, that was one of them and the other one? Uh, or they were both together
1: there? Yeah, they were both together. Bur- uh, Muller and Bergson were together, and um, we'll go on to...
0: Uh, Sedgwick's character in a minute but it's interesting that you mention that because in the in in the original script there are a lot of there are a lot of things that Sedgwick does in the movie that they call the character Cavendish and vice versa yeah because in in the original script in the original script there was a guy named Maryvale who who was the third guy to eventually get out yeah so we don't know really so a lot of things that they said about Maryvale ended up being with Sedgwick yeah so they 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 obviously changed things during the course of the various incarnations of the script.
1: Yeah, because the the other escaper, the um Sedgwick's character was actually Dutch. He was Paul <laughs> uh, Paul <laughs> Van Der Stock and and or Bram Van Der Stock as he was known. Um, and it, to me, you could have got Dick Van Dyke in with this Mary Poppins accent to do the same sort of thing. <laughs> 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 but
0: let's
1: let's be talking about that. Yeah, better but. but... Better.
0: But it's you know, we can we can talk about that as much as we want about the accent, but the truth is it, it makes him stand out so much more because of that, that terrible accent than he would have if he did a real accent. So yeah. I mean, maybe who knows? Maybe maybe he did it on purpose. Yeah, perhaps. You know, we've 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 mentioned it many times that you know how how crazy his accent is, you know, uh back in the the third week when we even had J BAM on and we were talking, you know, with an Australian who <laughs> was mentioning the whole, the whole way that that the actual his his accent was completely off. But maybe, maybe it was done on purpose. Yeah. you never know. Yeah, well, and we shall never know. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> because Coburn Coburn's not around to tell us anymore. No, sadly, no. Whether whether that's right? Unfortunately, not. So the minute continues, and we now get to see Cedric, yeah. as we just mentioned previously, exactly. and he shows up in in a a, a lush forest area still carrying his suitcase. Mm-hmm. What's funny is it really looks as if that suitcase is very light. Yeah. <laughs> He's got nothing in there. Yeah. He's carrying around this big, empty suitcase. Especially when he put it on the bike. Yeah. When he
1: when he takes the yes. bike, he just puts this, you know, it's like Styrofoam, just
0: down, off you go. <laughs> and and it doesn't fall. Yeah. It, it found a way to stay there.
1: Yeah.
0: And then we see a character wearing a French beret, emerging with Sedgwick, and there, there's a third character with them also. And at this point, the, Cedric says, "He again, I, I'm gonna, I'm just going to forget about trying to say it in, the, in the, their original languages, because uh, just I'm terrible at French and German and, and Spanish pronunciations and stuff like that. So basically, Sedgwick says, here. And then the French guy goes, yes, sir, it's here. So at that point, Sedgwick says to him, so goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. And then, and then he says, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> yeah. And he says, you're welcome. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good luck. It's it's funny. I mean, the, the conversation when they're saying it in French sounds like they're saying something much more interesting. Yeah. But they're basically just, just saying goodbye. I mean, we don't know how far he has traveled with these particular men, mm. but it's just, it's just funny the way that they, they say it. And then they they basically just leave him and and, and walk off. Yeah, yeah. And then and this you know, they're,
1: like, they're like you're on your own. Yeah, and as do as as it as yourself. If, as if by magic, there's a Spanish resistance guy just waiting for
0: him. You know, just exactly seamless, seamless and then he, handover. Exactly, completely. <laughs> and then I, I love the fact that that Cedric just like waves at them goodbye, and yep. then he just takes a few steps, looks around at the forest and uh, the terrain around him. And at this point, then he hears like a twig snapping, and quickly his head turns <laughs> to the other side. And then we have a man standing on the side quietly, which apparently he wasn't that quiet because he, you know, stepped on a twig yeah. and made noise beforehand. <laughs> he he actually looks very similar to the first guy who he really does doesn't him. he Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe <laughs> the same actor. Yeah, maybe it's a perine- <laughs> they said,
1: maybe it's a thing. They're just related from across the border or something. Twins? Who
0: knows? <laughs> exactly, and then the guy looks at the, looks out into the distance, and then looks to Cedric, and says, "I'm your guide, Senor." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he uses the nice, the nice heavy uh, Spanish accent. See, so, so that was a great and, that, was, that was a great one. You do do accent. No, but the accent, <laughs> I no, I can do an English accent with it, but but uh, I can't do the pronunciation in the foreign language. Fair enough. I, I I guess this guy really wasn't a Spanish actor. <laughs> he he just, they just found some extra and yeah. said, "Okay, you look Spanish. <laughs> just yeah. say the senor yeah. and we're and we're good." <laughs> it just uh, the
1: the one that he reminds me so much of one of the old gringos out of the mo- the western movies.
0: You know, really, senor. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's it. Exactly. You know? That's right. All you do is just lower your voice. Yeah, you know, give it give it a deeper a deeper intonation, a bit of growl. and and yeah. throw in the word "senor," and yeah. you're good. <laughs> and then the the last words of this minute are Cedric saying for Spain. Meaning, where, where does he think he is? Yeah. <laughs> the other guys just left him. you know, he, he must know where he is. Yeah, and that pretty much ends the minute. Now, okay, now our listeners don't know, but but I know. What is your personal connection? To the Great Escape. Why don't you tell us that that story? Okay, so and I'd love to hear it.
1: So uh, when I was a, a young young boy, seven or eight years old, I was a big fan of reading. I, my my mother and my grandmother had a massive collection of books, uh, so I was looking for something else to read, and I found Brickhill's book, The Great Escape. Just sat there. is that is that a
0: book or a novel? <laughs> 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 Definitely a book. Most definitely not. Definitely funny. a book. It's a non-fiction <laughs> book. Yes.
1: So, so, I saw this book and I thought, right, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna read this. And literally, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you now. I, this isn't the copy of it, but uh, I have a copy of it right here. And the very first words that come out the, the, um, in that first chapter was uh, Roger Bushell had just turned thirty when he reached Dualaglo. Um, and my grandmother had underlined it in pencil and written a cousin of ours. So he was my grandmother's cousin, which is kind of, I think we were discussing it earlier, but second cousin. Twice I, I, I
0: think, no, I think I, from what I understand, I think it's a first cousin twice removed. it. Yeah. I think that's what it okay. is. Well, um, if, it, if it's your grandmother's first cousin.
1: Yeah. So, so, yeah. so I was, I was in awe of this and I read this thing from every page, every, every word. I just soaked it in all the photographs, you know, really got into it. Um, and then I watched the movie. It was, it was the UK. It was Christmas, of course, the movie's going to be on, you know, as it was every year. <laughs> so I took it on, and and I I watched the movie, and I I loved it. I was really engrossed in it, and it was exciting, and it was funny, and it was emotional. And and I thought to myself, it's it's just not the same, you know, but. It's great in its own right, you know, on its own merit. It's a fantastic movie, one of the all-time greats. Um, but then when you read into the book and you have an understanding of of how it happened, it's very, very different. You know? So uh, a, a number of years later... I decided to join the RAF. One second,
0: one second. I just want to ask a question really. yeah, sure. did, did you discuss it with your grandmother about him or anything like that at this point?
1: I did. Yeah. Now now my grandmother my grandmother always found him quite an aloof kind of character, you know, and subsequent meetings with uh, Jimmy James, Jack Lyon, people like that very much sort of underlined that he was a he was a very driven man. He was very um single-minded. So I'm later on down the line, I met Jimmy James at a medal presentation. And he said, uh, Roger once sat there and said, I'm not here to be like Jimmy. I'm here to get as many people out as possible. Uh, wow. And that was, he said, I'm, I'm not here to make friends because he knew what the consequences would be. He knew that some of them may not come home, you know, so, and that's what he did. He was already on borrowed time anyway, but he just kind of chased everyone else along for the ride you know everyone everyone came with him because he was that kind of character I think um but yeah so my my grandmother always thought he was quite aloof um but I think he was just a very driven kind of guy a very motivated individual and and someone who
0: who took leadership and responsibility very very
1: seriously wow
0: yeah and did your grandmother did you discuss the movie with your grandmother at that point
1: yeah, um, we used to watch it together.
0: Um, my my grandmother died a little while
1: afterwards, just you know, a couple of years after I started seeing the movie and getting really into it. But um, she she was never she liked that Richard Attenborough had been cast as as Bartlett or Bushell, you know. Um, right. She thought that was great, but she always said, you know, he was skinnier. He was he, he wasn't so rounded of face. He was very. You know, very angular was was Roger. You know, so uh, I you know I think the uh, the love of the movie was separate. You know, we we kept them both kind of separate because I'll watch the movie all day every day if I could. I would just go back and back and back because it's always same as every great movie. There's always something that brings you back one line or uh, a character that you didn't see before or uh, an event in the background that you sort of went. I didn't. I didn't notice that
0: before, you know. Well, I I hope that that this podcast isn't going to ruin it for you because <laughs> now we're going to hopefully tell you all just about everything that. No. I, just... I, I know you've been listening, so you know <laughs> if if we're going to give away all the secrets, the, the next time you watch the movie, you're going to say, "Oh, I already know everything about it."
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't think that's possible. You know, I, I could I could go and watch it tomorrow
0: and still love it as much as as much as that first time you know it's one of those great movies. Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, I, I completely agree i mean obviously as as you know i've seen this movie so many times especially recently even even in small spurts of watching the same minute over and over so but but i've still i, I rewatched it a few weeks ago yeah and i loved it it wasn't it wasn't that, that i felt that anything was was taken away from it yeah it was it, if anything it was enhanced because there were things that i now understood better and there are things that, that that I was able to catch.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's me. like a good song that you analyze and find a new find a new vocal part, or a new guitar part, something that brings you back into that. It's the same with that, you know. You, That's true. It's, That's like it's true. always right. Okay, so
0: yeah. so I cut you off before.
1: Okay, so so uh, continue with uh, your, uh,
0: continue with your
1: story. Well, my um, my family's always been very military. You know, um, many generations of of my family have served in the armed forces. And I did that myself back in uh, 1999. I joined up and I joined up as a Royal Air Force policeman. So this was, uh, I just thought, well, I'm, I'm just going to be a, well, I joined up to be a dog handler, police dog handler. Um, and I was chatting away with the, the uh, I suppose he's the instructor, the chief instructor. Uh, he was a flight sergeant. And he said, um, I was standing next to the great escape display that they had down there. Because the RAF police, well, the biggest investigation ever carried out by military is the Great Escape, the the murders, the investigation into the murders of the fifty, and it's still the biggest mm-hmm. wartime investigation ever carried out. Um, so this was this was a big thing for me, and I was telling this flight sergeant all about it, um, who turned out to be the Royal Air Force Police historian, um, <laughs> wow. who started, you know. Cog started whirring in his head and he started getting all these ideas. And randomly, two days later, he came into the classroom and said, Flint, out here. And I thought, uh-oh, what, what have I done? So I go outside <laughs> and there's another recruit, another trainee standing there, a guy from two courses behind me. And he says, uh, this is, uh, meet, meet Taylor. Taylor, meet Flint. You guys are related. And I said, what? So Taylor... Uh, Nights Taylor, this guy that was two courses behind me, his mother was a bushel. (laughs) Oh, wow. So this small world suddenly became, you know, even smaller. Even smaller. And then we found out that one of the other sergeants that was an instructor there, um, her grandfather was Freddie Bowes, who was the lead investigator of the murder. So
0: it's... It's all kind
1: of... It was really spooky. Um, So... You know, I, I've I've kept up with it all the way through the years, and in 2018, I was I went over to to Zagan to Stalag 3, um, and visited the site and you know commemorated Roger's life and the the life of the 50 and all POWs, um, and that was really moving. So much so that I was there for the 70 the 75th anniversary the following year, um, and I got to hold Roger Bushell's image. As I paraded down through on the uh, on the ceremony, which was very emotional, very emotional. Wow! But it's yeah, it's, wow. it's it's my little connection, and you know, I'm I'm very proud of it. My my family's very proud of it. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a big part of my life.
0: Okay, well, I'm I'm glad that the the fact that they made a movie about it, and you know, you, you used Rich, Richard Attenborough with with a round face, uh, you yeah, round face. Uh, I- Richard Attenborough, but then didn't, didn't ruin it for no. For, but
1: it, but then it, who else could you put in there? You no, know, you would. You, you needed they needed a brooding character, and I think Richard Attenborough did it pretty well. You know, he was he was quite sharp with people, and he was quite uh, you know, he was quite full on. It's an
0: intense character. Yeah, completely. Wow. All right, that is fasc- fascinating. It really is. So, um, you have anything else particular you want to say about this this minute?
1: Uh, just a, a very brief one on on uh, Bob Vanderstock. Uh, the actual escape took months, absolutely months. And I, I
0: found it. Bob, Bob Vanderstock is uh, is the one that's yes. theoretically Sedgwick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just so, clarifying that.
1: So he was a he was a Dutch pilot, um, and he was captured and taken all around the various places. Um, but he his escape took months. He he traveled through Germany, France. Belgium, Holland, you know, and then eventually back to Spain. Got got through to Spain, and from Spain back to the UK, and then back into the fight again. You know.
0: Oh wow! Wait, he made it to Spain. So, so the the Spain part, I guess, is sort of true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he probably wasn't carrying he probably wasn't carrying an empty suitcase. No, no styrofoam <laughs> cases to be seen.
1: Uh, I think there were. Uh, it, it it was harsh. There were very harsh conditions. Um, and he was traveling with a number of other people. It wasn't just this solo mio, I'm off cycling around Europe. You know, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> wasn't quite
0: that simple. Well, so, who was he traveling with? Because there were only three home runs. Well, that was so it. There who was, who so, did you hook up with? So Muller and Bergland were
1: together, and he went solo mio. Off he went. He, he disappeared off on his own. Um, yeah, but you just said he wasn't on his own. No, he when he um, he ended up under the French resistance and they had, or the Marquis, and they ended up with, I think there was a couple of Canadians and various other people not involved in the escape. They were just with the resistance trying to get home or trying to get away. So Mm. that last scene would have been a line of 20, 25 people all crossing into Spain rather than just, Oh wow. Yeah. It was, there were a lot of people,
0: a lot of people, but this was the resistance. This is what they did, you know? Yeah, really is. Well, that, that's really just mind-boggling and, and fascinating at the same time. Yeah. All right. Do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you if they're, if they're interested? Um, well, yeah. I mean, just
1: have a look for me on Facebook, Patty Flint. Um, there is also a Great Scape of Glyph 3 Facebook group, uh, which I'm one of the admins of. So if you want to have a look for that, then you can find out anything you need. Um, there's some really, really knowledgeable ladies and gentlemen on there. Um, plenty, plenty to learn
0: about. Yeah, we're we're gonna meet, we're gonna talk with a few of them this week, also, so that uh, you know people people will hear it throughout the, the week. I know we have at least two more coming later this week uh, from the Facebook. You you want to come back again tomorrow?
1: Sure, sure, absolutely.
0: All right, excellent. You're uh, looking at the the Facebook group of Stalag Three. You can uh, go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher they might be using to listen to this show. You can uh, go to our Facebook group, The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. And our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. So, until tomorrow, tally-ho! Tally-ho! <laughs>